0: Welcome to this exciting sermon from World Impact Community Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more sermons and resources, please do visit us at wscc.in. Greetings in the matchless name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Today, I sense that the word that I'm going to speak, I think Jesus, if he was here, he would have said it. Uh, Because Jesus came and he said, Follow me. And today I'm making a call today to each one of you to follow him. I'm going to be talking about the call of a disciple. So let's start with a word of prayer. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you for this day. And I thank you because you died for us. And I believe that we have a journey of following you, Lord. And I pray, Holy Spirit, You will move here in our midst and even online, and many people will understand what it means to be a disciple. Holy Spirit, touch our hearts. Holy Spirit, hover over this place. Hover over the word I speak, Lord, and all glory to you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. So today I'm going to be talking about the the fact that each one of us is called to be a disciple. In the Gospels, we see how Jesus, after 40 days in the wilderness, starts his ministry. He tells the people, repent, for the kingdom of God is here. And then he goes along the the Sea of Galilee, and he sees the fishermen. And first of all, he calls Peter and Andrew on the boat, and he tells them, follow me. And he says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And in Mark uh, chapter 1 verses 19 and 20, he then calls James and John. When he had gone a little further from there, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who also were in the boat, mending their nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went with him. Just imagine that scene. I was just imagining how I would have felt if I was one of those fishermen. And suddenly someone who probably I've just seen once or twice crosses and suddenly says, follow me. What would have made them leave everything and just follow him? Incredible, isn't it? But they did. And we see also in Luke chapter 5, Uh, how Jesus called Matthew, tax collector. Uh, Luke chapter 5, verses 27 and 28 say, After these things, he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office, and he said to to him, Follow me. So he left all, rose up, and followed him. Little would would these men realize what this call meant. I know that many of you have accepted Jesus as your savior, but it doesn't stop there. The Lord is telling each one of us, follow me. And these men, they rose up and they changed the world. And that is the call that God has for each one of us. In the Greek, the word for disciple is mathetos, And that is actually a learner, a student, an adherent. That is, someone who adheres completely to the teachings of another, making them his rule of life and conduct. So, amongst the Greek and the Jews, there were disciples. And those uh, following the Greek masters would usually learn philosophy, their teachings. But amongst the Jews, those who followed the rabbis, they would not only learn the teachings, but they follow their lifestyle and their traditions. So, it is a total transformation. When, you said, when a person said, I'm going to follow this rabbi. If you look at the history of discipleship amongst the, land, the country of Israel, it was in 500 BC, during the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. So the people of Israel had been taken as exiles into Babylon, and they were brought back into Jerusalem to build the temple. And at that time, God raised up Ezra, to teach them things. Because they had been in exile for so long. And there was a spiritual reformation. And he, they, they as a team. Called the great assembly. They made a number of changes. In the system of Israel. And one of them. They decided to educate all the young boys. So the young boys. From the age of 5 to 13. They were instructed in the Torah. The Torah is. The, the first five books of the Bible that we have today. And so these young boys, from the age of 5 to 13, they were taught the Torah, and they by-hearted it. Yeah? So nowadays, the children, they are, when we ask them to by-heart a verse, they're very reluctant. But really, in that time, the whole five, first five books, were, their children were expected to by-heart that. And uh, after the age of 13, many of these children, they would go and follow their, pair, their father's job whatever it is whatever profession profession that was but some some of these children they would want to learn more uh, so they would read they would be they wanted to learn the other books of the old testament the prophets the writings and all that and so they would go and find a rabbi and they would ask the rabbi please teach me i would like to follow you and the rabbi, rabbi would give them an interview and if they were intelligent and suitable the rabbi would say, okay, you can come under my wing and you can follow me and uh, teach them. But just imagine, that was the system in those days. But here, Jesus, he goes behind those fishermen and he goes and tells them, follow me. Incredible, isn't it? That he would go after some people and say, and the same, even today, the Lord is asking each one of you, follow me. He's telling you, follow me. The fishermen and the tax collectors were the least likely to be chosen, wouldn't you think that Jesus could have come and told uh, some of those kids who knew everything about the Bible, the scriptures, and called them to be disciples? But he didn't do that. He called those who were considered least in the land, and taxmen, tax collectors were hated, but he called them. First Corinthians chapter one, verse twenty-six to twenty-nine says. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. So you may be thinking, I'm not good enough. I'm not talented. But the Lord is saying, you're the right candidate. Because the Lord chooses those who are weak and those who really don't know much, but who are willing. So really, today... No one can say, I'm not, I don't fit this, this, uh, you know, I don't fit the criteria because God chose fishermen and tax collectors and the Lord is calling each one of you. So I'd like to first of all say that each of us are being called as a disciple, not just as a believer or a spectator or a follower, but as a disciple. So even in the time of Jesus There were so many followers, spectators. They want to see the fun. What's happening there? Oh, there's this man, Jesus, who's healing the sick. Let's go and watch it. So many people just followed just to see what's happening. So many people were just spectators. But very few stood with him till the end and were the disciples. In fact, if you see in John chapter 9, the story of the man who was blind and uh, blind from birth, he was healed. And he was so excited and the Pharisees were mad because it was a Sabbath and they were asking, who healed you? And they said, the, the man, Jesus healed me. And then they went to the parents of that man and they asked them, who healed your son? Was he blind? Then they said, yes, he was blind, but we don't know who healed him. Go and ask him. Just imagine, their son had been blind from birth and they couldn't testify of the person who healed. So they ended up being spectators and not disciples. So the choice is for each one of us. You may have seen the miracle. You may have known in your heart that he is the one true God. But you may not be willing to take that extra step and say, I want to be a disciple. So the Lord is calling us today to be disciples. Now what is discipleship? Discipleship is following Jesus. And um, there are It involves a number of things. So I'm going to be touching a few things of what discipleship means. John chapter 14 to 17 is known as the upper room discourse. It's a time where Jesus spent time with the disciples at the Last Supper before he was crucified. And even though he taught the disciples over the three years that he was in ministry, during this short time, he told them so many things to prepare them for the time when he would leave and they would have to take over. So we're going to look at some things that he taught them. First of all, discipleship means to know Jesus. John chapter 17, verse 2 and 3 says, As you have given him authority over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. And this is eternal life, that they may know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Eternal life is really about knowing Jesus. And that word know is actually, it means to have an intimate relationship. To have a personal walk, a personal experience. Not to just know, there are many people you just know to some extent. But here it's talking about an intimate relationship. In the uh, King James Version, it always says about Adam knew Eve. It is talking about the relationship between a husband and a wife. That close. And the Lord is saying, you need to know me. First thing as a disciple we need to do is to know Jesus. Mark chapter 3 verse 14 says, Then he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach. So Jesus appoints us to be with him first and then when we are with him, spend time with him, we are ready to go out and do the work of a disciple. So the first thing is to really know him and spend time with him. I encourage each of you to have a time with the Lord every day. We have so many um, you know, things to do, so many things. I know a lot of think kids are busy with the studies and all that. But if you have that time with the Lord, you can face anything for that week. Or that day. So that time spent in the presence of God and reading his word is so key for a disciple. You know, I, you can be busy every Sunday coming to church and saying, Oh, I serve in church. I'm an usher here. I'm, a, I'm in this team, the media team. But if you're not spending time with him and knowing him, it is all in vain. So encourage each of you. Yes, coming to church is necessary. Fellowship is necessary. But the key thing is that we should know him. So, each one of us needs to know him. In uh, the book of Daniel, when the angel comes to Daniel and shows him about the end times, he talks about the difficulties to come, that things are not going to be easy. And all of us know things are not easy anymore, especially after COVID. Things are difficult. The stock market is crashing. So many things are not so sure anymore. You can't depend on anything. But Daniel, in that book, uh, the angel says that... There there, there will be difficult times, but those who know their God shall be strong and do great exploits. So even now, I sense the Lord telling many of you, yes, there may be difficulties around you, but if you know the Lord, you will do great things. You will be strong and do great exploits. So the first thing is, we need to know Jesus. The second is, we need to serve. At the Last Supper, as Jesus, after the supper, we all know that Jesus got up. He took, a, uh, took out of his garments and he put on a towel and he went and washed the feet of the disciples. Yeah, Just imagine the Lord of the universe doing that. In uh, John chapter 13, verse 14 to 16, it says, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also... Ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example. That you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly I say to you. A servant is not greater than his master. Nor is he who is sent. Greater than he who sent him. We are sent by Jesus. If Jesus could do something like that. How much more we need to serve. And actually in those days. It was the lowliest servant who would wash the feet. And Jesus took that task and put it on him and said, I'm going to wash the feet of my disciples. So he is the model of serving. And so I, we, we, I think a, a month back, we were taking a series on serving. So all of you who are coming into church, I encourage you, join some team, ask, ask in the help desk, how can we serve? Encourage, there are so many avenues for you to serve in the host team, uh, in different teams for junior church as a volunteer. There are so many ways that you can serve. A disciple serves. It shouldn't be that I come every Sunday and just attend the service and go back. You need to serve. So the second thing that we do as disciples is we serve. Thirdly, loving Jesus and others. This involves, discipleship involves loving Jesus and others. John chapter 13 verses 34 and 35 says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So Jesus is saying, I am giving you a new commandment. What is new in this commandment? Even in the Old Testament, it's written, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and also love your neighbor as yourself. So what was new about this? So this word new in Greek is the word kainos. There are two words for new in Greek, kainos and neos. Neos means something that has never been there before, something just new. But kainos means something that has been innovated and changed. So it's like you have one model of a mobile phone and that company brings something really innovative and new for a particular purpose. So that's the word Kinos, the new. So why is Jesus saying that this is a new commandment? This new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I love, I have loved you. Jesus has given us the example. I have loved you. That's why it's new. In the Old Testament, there was no standard. Just love the Lord. Just love everyone else. But here Jesus has set the standard where he gave his life for us and showed us how much he loved us. And till the end he will love us. So he said, because of that, you can love. So I encourage any anyone of you who is finding difficulty in loving others, probably people close to you have hurt you. Take this time and understand as a disciple, you need to love. You need to forgive because Jesus loved, because Jesus forgave. And I know for some of you, the hurt may be so much because someone has done something wrong to you. But even then, forgiveness is a decision. To love is a decision. So you have to take the time and think, Lord, if I'm your disciple, I need to love. Help me, Lord, to love. And he will enable you when you take that decision. So we need to love Jesus And love others. So how do we show that we love Jesus? John chapter 14 verse 21 says, He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father. And I will love him and manifest myself to him. What a beautiful verse. So he says, if you love Jesus, you will obey his commandments. Probably the Lord is telling you something in this season. which say, no, 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 no. I'm not hearing right. I don't want to do this. I don't want to give up this. But the Lord is saying, no, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. And when you obey, he will, his presence will be manifest more and more in, his, in your life. I remember when the Lord told me to come into ministry. I'm a doctor, by, an ophthalmologist by profession. But six years ago, the Lord just said, come. Come and follow me in a greater way. Not that I wasn't serving then, but the Lord said, I want more of your time. Come. And it was not easy, but I knew that if I loved him, I needed to obey him. And I don't regret that act of obedience because the Lord has blessed me so much more in every way. You can just trust him. When he asks you to do something, just take that step. He will carry you through. So we need to love him and love others. So we heard that when you're a disciple, you're following him. And what do you do by that? You know, you learn to know him. You're serving him. You're loving him and others. Fourthly, discipleship is abiding in him. John chapter 15. It's a very familiar chapter where Jesus is the wine and we are the branches. And God the Father is the wine dresser. That's not very comfortable, is it? Yeah, but that's what the Lord says. You have to, I'm the vine, and you need to be my branches. John 15 verse 4 says, Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. It's so important to be abiding in Jesus. Yeah? Uh, uh, for those who love gardening, if, you know, uh, as you're looking at the plants... If one branch is injured, and you probably won't notice it, but after a few days, you'll see that branch is withered. yeah. And then you'll see, oh, there was a damage here, there was a cut here. And that is how, of course, we know when the branch is completely cut for two, three days, it still will look green. But by the fifth or sixth day, it's totally withered. But even with a partial connection, that branch can wither. So it's so important. You may be showing everyone, yes, I'm going, I'm uh, attending this church, I'm doing this, I'm that. But you may not be really connected to the Lord. But the Lord is saying, abide in me. Yeah, abide in me so that you will not wither. So what do, how do we abide in him? We need to abide in his word and his love. There's nothing like the word of God. It is so precious. So I want I encourage each of us as a church that will be a church that loves God's word. Smith Wigglesworth was a mighty man of God and uh, he was involved in healing ministry and he saw a lot of miracles. God did a lot of miracles through him. He was not a very educated man and one of the few books he read was the Bible. And it's recorded that he used to read the Bible every one hour. He'd open the Bible and read it for five or ten minutes and in fact when guest comes sometimes he'll say i'm reading this chapter let's read it together that was his love for the word so abide in his word and in his love we need times of being in his presence just enjoying the lord and only when we abide we will not wither but we will be strong as we are connected to that that stem think of yourself as a branch And when you're connected and abiding in his word and love, it's then that the Holy Spirit comes like sap through the stem into your being and then the fruit are born, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace. So beautiful, isn't it? But when we abide, when we just can stay connected, we let the Holy Spirit work in us and bear much fruit. And that is what God wants of us as disciples. John 15 verse 8 says, my father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So the, that's the NASB says, that when you bear fruit, you're proving that you are his disciples. And there is a sad part to this, or a difficult part to this. God prunes the vine. We said, no, that God is the vine dresser and he does prune the vine. So uh, in, in this industry of the grape industry, we, uh, I was reading and it said that at the, uh, between the branches and the stem, there are a lot of uh, sucker shoots grow in the angle of the branch and the stem. And these sucker shoots, they take up the nutrients of the plant and prevent fruitfulness from bearing fruit. So that's what the vine dresser does. He just plucks and removes all these sucker shoots so that the main branch can bear much fruit. So just imagine that experience of being pruned is difficult because you don't like to be pruned. Uh, But when we, you know, humble ourselves before God and say, "Okay, Lord, this is an area I need to change. And then the Lord will do that and prune you. And then you can bear much fruit. I agree many times. uh, Once when I was just uh, in prayer, I just came to the service. And as I was worshipping, I just heard the word be teachable be teachable. Throughout the worship and I said, Lord, aren't I teachable? But the Lord is saying, you be teachable, be teachable. And after that, the message was on being teachable. And I knew this word is for me. So I just said, Lord, you spoke to me even before the message came. So I just received that word. You know, it, probably the Lord sees there may be, have been an area where I wasn't teachable. So I just started checking. Is there an area which I haven't let the Holy Spirit touch or move in? And then I just agreed. So that is pruning. It's not easy because you think you're okay in that area. No, oh, I'm okay in this area. But then the Holy Spirit will say, no, you're not probably lack of patience. Oh, you're not patient in this area. You're probably patient in some situations, but not the Holy Spirit will show you and just be allow yourself to be pruned. So we need to abide in Him. And then the fifth thing is become like Him. Wow. First John chapter two, verse six says, He who says He abides in Him ought Himself also to walk just as He walked. So that is a call for us to. Just become like Him. I know as disciples, you may be thinking, okay, you're part of a church, and sometimes men and women of God fall. We're all human. We can never meet the perfect standard of God. But we all have one example, and that is Jesus. You are a disciple of Jesus. And our aim, our aim is to reach and become like Him. And our walk is towards that. And we need to do everything in our power to become more like him. Luke chapter 6, verse 40 says, A disciple is not about his teacher, above his teacher, but everyone who is perfectly trained will be like his teacher. Does your family see Christ in you? I know the family is the test. Does your husband or your wife see Christ in you? All the husbands and wives are looking at each other. Huh? Yeah? Or do your children see Christ in you? That is the greatest test. If they see Christ in you, then we are we are good disciples. So we need to become more like him. So the, I showed you five ways in which we follow Jesus. First is we need to know him. Secondly, we need to serve him. Thirdly, we need to love him and love others. Fourthly, we need uh, to we need to, uh, we need to uh, abide in him and finally we need to become like him so that's our journey of following but it doesn't stop there we have a call that, that has a cost you know, everyone may stop here it's good to be a disciple but there is a cost to this discipleship when you, when you were saved for salvation there isn't much of a cost on our part we just have to believe by faith and grace we believe So we don't really pay a price. But to be a disciple, there is a price. There is a cost. So the Lord is saying that there is a cost that is associated with this. Luke chapter 14, verse 26 to 27 says, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me, cannot be my disciple you know this verse offends a lot of people i've heard people tell me also how can you hate your parents and your brothers and sisters what is jesus talking about and uh, then i was just looking into this verse and that word hate is actually the greek word misio which means to love less so it means a comparison so if your love for god is this much and your love for your parents is higher; that means you 're not a proper disciple it 's just a comparison. you need to love God more than you love anyone else and that gets difficult, especially as you become parents because you guard them, you protect them, you want everything to be right for them, but the Lord is saying, "You know you need to love me more than more than these, more than everyone else. We know that That means that because God also said to honor your parents, yeah? So it doesn't contradict the word. He just said, you have to give first place to me. I was listening to a couple who was speaking and saying that uh, in their marriage, they've made a decision, uh, both of them, when they keep on telling each other, listen, we need to love God more than we love each other. And I was so encouraged to hear that because they have made a decision they're not, it's not been too long since they got married. They decided that, okay, Jesus first and then each other next. And that is a good decision for all you who are getting into marriage or just married. Keep the Lord first above everything. So there's a cost where you give God Jesus first place. Then Luke 14 verses 28 to 30, it says, For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man began to build and was not able to finish. Just imagine, I know there are a few architects and people learning for architecture here and they'll be know that okay when you build a house you need to plan how much money you have and how much what type of house you can build and then only you can go ahead with it otherwise you will stop the work in the middle so uh, when we were building our house around that time a family i knew uh, they were they had just finished their house somewhere in that area uh, but afterwards i heard that they had to sell the house because I think they would have gone way beyond their budget. And they realized that they had got into debt. So they sold the house and they went and uh, they went for uh, rent for the next seven years in another area. And then later on they built the house. But that really, you know, struck me and I decided, oh good, when, I'm building up, when we were building our house, I'm not going to spend too much, just the right amount. I know my budget. Because even if you budget, it will become a little, definitely much, a few lacks more than what we budget. So I decided, no, we don't want to have debt after this. Uh, We want to be able to finish it in our amount. So you need to count the cost of discipleship. Matthew 16, verse 24 to 27 says, Then Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to come after me, see very clearly he's saying, if anyone desires to come after me, it's a choice. Discipleship is a choice. You can say, I don't want to be a disciple. I just want to be comfortable here with just knowing Jesus. That's, I mean, just, you know, having his name, being a child of God. But I don't want to be a disciple. But he's saying, Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So what do you mean by deny himself? Some people think denying yourself is self-denial, denying yourself of everything, living a very frugal lifestyle. And thinking of that, they said, no, no, we don't want to be that type of disciple. We don't want to be that. But that's not what Jesus is speaking about. Denying yourself is putting God's will above everything. Putting the will of Jesus above every situation in your life. It's like if you're in the car, letting Jesus be the driver. And taking hold of the steering and you sitting next to him. So many times, we don't, you know, we we don't let Jesus drive. We say, okay, Jesus, just sit in the side seat. Let me sit in the the, the steering wheel. Let me decide. But when you deny yourself, you have to give him over that control. Over every decision in your life, you need to deny yourself. C.S. Lewis says, Until you have given up yourself to him, you will not have a real self. So it's only when you give yourself up to him totally, you really find yourself. Being, you know, uh, I was saying now about how I came into the ministry. I have discovered more things about myself, serving God in this way, which I never knew was in me. See, the Lord knows you so well. And when you deny yourself, You start discovering new things. It's such a beautiful journey. And and he teaches you and shows, you can do this. You can do that. So we need to deny ourselves, And then what do you have to do? You have to take up the cross. That doesn't sound too great. Yeah? So in those times, uh, the Romans used to crucify uh, all those who did anything wrong. The Jewish never crucified. So the Romans, in whichever colony they had, They would give them the punishment of crucifixion. And it was one of the worst types of death. And the person who was to be crucified had to carry the horizontal beam of the cross. The vertical beam would already be in the place and carry it and go to that place. So just imagine the state of mind of a person who is carrying the cross. He's saying that, I'm going to my death. So Jesus is saying, deny yourself and carry your cross. That is, carrying... Everything for his sake, saying that, Lord, I'm okay to carry things for you because I'm going to meet you. Some people think that carrying the cross is all the difficulties, the trials that we have in this world. It isn't. It's actually everything that you suffer because of your faith in Jesus. Everything that is the cross. I know some people here have been coming in worshiping God alone. And probably your family doesn't understand that. And your family doesn't believe. That is your cross. But keep at it. Because at some point the Lord will bring them in. So you need to carry your cross. Yeah? He says carry your cross. Take up your cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. and But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What an incredible. We always want hard things for this life. We want to keep enough for this life. But that life can go in just a second. And the Lord is saying, let go of all these things and just follow me. Keep, Be wise. But don't let all your working hours, your waking hours be about this life. If you lose things of this world and follow me, you will gain a life. So that is a call of discipleship. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world And loses his own soul. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For the son of man will come in the glory of his father with his angels. And then he will reward each according to his works. So there is a cost. There is a cost of having to love God more than anyone else. A cost that we need to deny ourselves. A cost where we will have to carry our cross. But in all that, even though we lose a life, we will gain it. And there are rewards. There are beautiful rewards. Mark chapter 10 verses 28 to 30 says, Then Peter began to say to him, See, we have left all and followed you. So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life the reward is there for a disciple it is a mighty reward and then also uh, I just wanted to say that in this walk of discipleship the Lord has given us a light yoke. So I was reading about the yoke. The Jewish rabbis, they were, it, there was a phrase that says they would give their yoke to their disciples. what well, That meant their teachings, their traditions, and everything they did, their lifestyle to the disciples. And that's why Jesus, when he, uh, when he criticized the Pharisees, said, you're giving the people such heavy yokes and you yourselves are not doing it. But Jesus says, I'm going to give you a light yoke. Matthew chapter 11 verse 28 to 30 says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Discipleship is a journey. It's not a program. It's a lifestyle. And I encourage each one of you today don't just be a spectator. Don't just be a follower or a believer. But take the decision to be a disciple. It's not enough to be just a disciple. In this journey, God is asking us to make disciples. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20, is the Great Commission. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So God has given us that commission. And even as a church, Our church is a church of disciples and a church that makes disciples. That is the mandate the Lord has given us. Thank you for listening to this sermon. For more sermons, please do visit us at wicc.in.